All right, let's welcome Chip Gibbons to the show. It's time for Chip Chat. Hey, Chip. Hello. Chip is a journalist. He's also the policy director over at Defending Rights and Dissent, though he speaks only on his own behalf on our weekly Chip Chat segments. So let's talk uh, about Julian Assange. We mentioned his case last month uh, after the extradition hearing in which a, a, a British judge ruled against the United States, finding it likely that Assange might end up killing himself if he's uh, placed in the U.S. judicial system. Um, We thought that that might be the end of it, but of course the U.S. government is appealing it, and Assange has been uh, forced to remain in a prison uh, while that appeal is going through. And then Joe Biden became president on January 20th, And uh, it was announced that the Biden Justice Department is picking up where the Trump Justice Department left off and is continuing its appeal in the extradition case of Julian Assange. So we went from uh, Obama being somewhat uh, uh, apprehensive about pursuing extradition charges against Julian Assange, finding what he did too similar to what publishing outfits like The New York Times did, to Donald Trump ramping up its prosecution of Assange and actually going with uh, uh, an extradition attempt to now Joe Biden continuing those uh, enhanced Trump efforts. What's uh, what do we what do we do from here, Chip? So I think it's 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 it looks bad at the moment, but it isn't necessarily all over. Uh, Right now, the attorney general of the United States is the acting attorney general, Monty, Monty Wilkinson. Um, And earlier last week, a number of civil liberties, human rights, and press freedom groups, including Defending Rights and Dissent, the ACLU, the Center for Constitutional Rights, uh, Freedom of the Press Foundation, PEN America, all of your favorite groups of this type, uh, sent a letter to to Wilkinson asking him to drop the charges against Assange. Assange is, of course, charged with multiple counts of violating the Espionage Act in relationship, and if you read the indictment, it, it specifically goes with each indictment, what which of these documents it refers to, uh, the Guantanamo Bay prisoner files, the Iraq and Afghan war logs, and the sort of State Department cables, and I think also maybe the Iraq rules of engagement as, as well. Um, and then there's also this Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, or Conspiracy to Commit Computer Fraud and Abuse Act charge request, which is just sort of an absurd charge. The original charge was that um, Chelsea Manning asked for allegedly allegedly asked for help for someone online with um, cracking a hashed password so she could get on another account to access information she already had access to, so she could access it without being caught. And this person agreed to do it, and then was never able to crack the password. The U.S. government alleged the person, I believe the online name they were using, like Nathan, Nathan something, um, was was Julian Assange, uh, which you know, they would have to prove that in court. You can see if they could do that or not. And then in superseding indictment number two, that charge became this very bizarre, very broad charge that just includes sort of all kinds of different elements of, you know, conspiracy to commit computer fraud and abuse, including WikiLeaks allegedly helped uh, Snowden get a plane out of Hong Kong. Uh, Julian Assange made 
first protected com um, comments at conferences. It, it really reeks of desperation of the U.S. government to, like, in the middle of the extradition proceeding, to throw these things in to try to make it look like their case is not merely about the Manning revelations. And you know, most people were not fooled by this, but a particularly um, obnoxious uh, anti-Julian Assange blogger, who I will not name, has. Uh, um, you know, when I was on, I can guess, I won't guess. I could guess, but I won't. I was very surprised in the pre-recorded segment that, um, a noted civil liberties advocate has been wheeled out to give the anti-Assange position. And they were going, Oh, the press freedom groups haven't read the most recent indictment. Is there, I have read it, you know, and you are, I'm not convinced, but, um, are we talking about someone yeah. whose name rhymes with Darcy dealer? <laughs> Could be, could be, it could be, um, it could be, um, but no. And then, um, so, so right. So the Holder opened a grand jury into Assange in 2010. The Obama administration, because of the quote unquote New York Times problem, decided not to pursue it. Uh, Trump comes, comes to office and that's a very uh, bizarre time for the WikiLeaks saga. Because on the one hand, you have Pompeo saying that it's their non-state hostile intelligence agency, and then Sessions bringing a sealed indictment against Assange under computer fraud and abuse, and then Barr bringing the Espionage Act indictments. Clearly, you know, Barr, Sessions, and Pompeo are people who have a long-term vendetta against Julian Assange. You also have this perception among some that he has, um, Julian Assange is somehow responsible for, you know, Hillary Clinton getting three million more votes than Trump, but losing the Electoral College. I guess Julian Assange wrote the Electoral College. I don't, I don't know. And you have these Democrats, you had 10 Democratic senators, like, send this very ugly letter to Pence, like, complaining Pence wasn't doing enough to, like, pressure uh, Ecuador to, like, withdraw his asylum. So you have this very weird, very weird uh, situation we're just sort of typical of the last four years where you have these very sort of arch reactionary ghouls of the national security state in power running around unfettered. And you have sort of Democratic senators and the MSNBC crowd, you know, squawking about, you know, you know they're not militaristic enough. They need to go after Assange more. Um, well, so, they, they, so they, they have this tendency Biden. to just gas each other up to where on national security issues on like who's going to be more aggressive to where, you know, Biden is going to probably bring in a lot of the same people that worked in the Obama Justice Department and came to the same considerations. But you can't peel back what's already been started or else you're going to be labeled as soft on national security or something. I think that's a really good point. I think that is definitely a huge problem when you have like a George W. Bush in and they push all of these bonkers, like even within this sort of logic and reason of the U.S. national security state, like just stuff that is abusive and just completely, completely out of line. And then you get, you know, a so-called liberal constitutional law professor and next, you know, they're not going to wheel any of it back. But the hope is, the hope was that, you know, the Biden administration could potentially reverse course here. Unlike the Trump administration, they didn't bring the charge. They are, you know, talking about sort of breaking with Trump's, you know, quote unquote, war on the press, which I think they mostly mean mean tweets about CNN personalities and not, you know, the actual war on the press that he, he waged. 
Uh, but, you know, you also have an easy out for the U.S. right now where they could save face, right? They could just not appeal the, the extradition request or ex they just not appeal the denial of extradition in the U.K. and just like, oh, we did our best and, and move on. Uh, but, you know, the Trump administration on January the 19th, one of their last acts, filed the appeal and the current spokesperson for the Justice Department is saying they're going to carry on with it. There is it's not considered all lost yet because we do not have, you know, a political appointed attorney general yet. We don't have Merrick Garland in. And there's some hope that, you know, the acting attorney general might not change course because they're just acting. But a, a Merrick Garland, whoever gets confirmed, could. And, I, you know, it's, it's a long shot, but I think it is, you know, much like pursuing a Trump card. And I think, you know, pursuing Garland on this angle is, is very worthwhile because I don't know what else you're going to do then. It, um, Go on uh, MSNBC uh, every night and beg <laughs> Joe Biden to I would do pardon Julian Assange. I would do that. Anyone on MSNBC schedulers are listening to this. I will come on every night and I will, you know, personally address Joe Biden. Uh <laughs> Talking about how much I love his his riding the Amtrak train, you know, to work every day. It's an amazing story, and you know. Well, not to uh, toot our own horns here, and this is obviously still a developing story, and I think we'll see more of the uh, final trajectory that the Biden administration takes on this when Garland is finally confirmed. But so far, it looks like that we were correct in drawing an analogy between the Assange case and the Thomas Drake case in which, uh, as Sam said, the Obama administration uh, to, to burnish its tough on national security credentials went after Drake harder than the Bush uh, administration did. Um, but there's also the issue of many people don't remember like 10 years ago, many people don't remember 10 minutes ago, and I'm kind of one of them. But one thing I do remember <laughs> from 10 years ago or 11, 10 and a half years ago at this point is when Vice President, then Vice President Biden called Julian Assange a high tech terrorist. Um, do you think that it's possible that Biden knows this case is eventually a loser on First Amendment grounds, but that he thinks it's worth it trying to take this as far as it will go just to try to ruin Julian Assange's life as much as he possibly can? I mean, at this point, I don't really know how much more you could ruin Julian Assange's life. Right? He was in an embassy for 10 years. The UN Special Rapporteur on Torture has found he's been subjected to psychological torture. Uh, there are serious claims that the CIA paid the uh, private intelligence firm UC Global to spy on all of his intelligence communications and possibly try to poison him. Uh, the UN found him to be a the UN working group on arbitrary detention found that the Swedish government, the UK government, the US government were guilty for the arbitrary detention of, of Julian Assange. The UN High Commissioner on Human Rights has affirmed that charge. And just, just look at Assange's physical appearance. Uh, when they went out of the embassy versus like what he looked like 10 years ago. I mean, they are clearly 
you know, killing him. I believe Jeremy Scahill is the one who's using for a slow motion assassination. That is absolutely what they are doing to Julian Assange. And I don't, I don't know how you could torture this man more. I mean, like, other than like physical torture, right? Like, like, I don't, I don't know Right. I, I mean, I understand what you're saying and, you know, but at a certain point, I mean, what, what more can you do? Draw out his case for another, another three or four years as it's making its way up to the highest level of, of appeals. Um, yeah. I, I, I have to say though, like you just saying this, uh, reinforces what I've, what I've thought about this, but I, I, whenever I hear, U.S. government officials uh, scold the Russian government for Alexei Navalny. I think about, <laughs> you guys are basically doing the same thing to Assange. Yeah, no, and um, there's an Irish socialist former parliamentarian in, in Ireland now. She's in the uh, European Parliament, um, and she gave a very good speech before the European Parliament shaming the EU for... Um, you know, going all in on Navalny, who she said, you know, I would support the rights of anyone, but this is a nationalist who compares, who hates immigrants and compares Muslims to, to cockroaches. Um, and, and to be clear, Julian Assange himself hasn't always had the uh, best political opinions. No, he but, kind of sucks, but other than but we still should protect him because he's We still a should protect him for, for publishing information that we all should have the yes. rights to. He's made comments that I find bad I find bad um I don't think he is as bad as Alexis Navalny right and I right. think if Bernie Sanders can find it in his heart to defend the political rights of the guy who compares Muslims to cockroaches and goes to rallies with skinheads I think he can actually maybe take the time to criticize his own government for um persecuting a sometimes problematic but, but far less problematic person who has actually done real good in the world in terms of publishing and releasing information about U.S. war crimes, right? Like if, if Navalny's, you know, far right uh, sympathies are not, you know, too much for Bernie Sanders to come to his defense, then like any of the things that Julian Assange did or did not say should, do not, you know, do not, do not mean, right, that doesn't work in this this case yeah I, I did catch that uh speech uh at the european parliament one thing that struck me is that they must not have dress code in the at the european parliament the communists or the socialists always wear jeans it's great <laughs> uh, did you ever see the video like bbc video from the early 80s of tories complaining about members of parliament dressing slovenly and they go and interview one of the slovenly dressed parliamentarians and it's a young jeremy corbyn <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> like, what is this 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 sweater you're she goes my mother knit this for me i think it looks perfectly fine i remember during pmq a few years ago where uh, a very posh david cameron told jeremy corbyn to put on a proper coat man but do you remember, he, so Jeremy Corbyn didn't wear ties and the British media were all, this was the same with Syriza. Remember the Syriza no ties story that was just permanently on, on the news. Uh, my mother went to Hawaii for a, a work trip and like they show CNN International there because it's, 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 it's a different time zone. So they just show the international uh, CNN because it's like two in the morning here. It's like whatever time is there. And she calls and she's like, the only thing on TV is these, fashion reports about these Greek people that aren't wearing ties. And um, they did the same thing to Jeremy Corbyn. And then he started wearing a tie. And the one calm's like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn well, has started wearing a tie. That was an anti-Semite. 
that means he's a power hungry person and it's like <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you like like oh he's not wearing a tie he's not you know taking oh he's wearing a tie he's power hungry now <laughs> so yeah uh, i bet if Giannis Varoufakis was wearing a tie at the time they probably would have found uh some qualms with whatever tie he was wearing <laughs> is this iranian silk <laughs> So uh, Julian Assange obviously isn't the only political prisoner uh, that the U.S. is uh, after. Um, there's also Edward Snowden uh, stuck in Russia. Um, I'm not anticipating any change of direction from the Biden administration when it comes to Snowden's case. There's also reality winner, though. And in much the same way people believed that Biden might or that Trump might pardon Assange for political reasons in the sense that, oh, well, Assange kind of helped you. Uh, this is a, a, a Democratic grudge that's against uh, Assange. You know, you can go ahead, you know, maybe there's there's some leverage here to get Trump to, to pardon him. I think that exists when it comes to reality winner and Joe Biden, where, you know, she was trying to bolster the Democrats case when it comes to to Russiagate. Yeah. Um, and I mean, her, her mom was recently on MSNBC making the case uh, for her to to be released from prison. It seems like there is some opening there to put pressure where you could at least get one of these whistleblowers, one of these political prisoners uh, released under Biden. Yeah, I mean, there's reality winner who's in jail. And I think you made a good point that politically her case makes the most sense for, for a Biden type figure to commute or pardon because she is she was trying to bolster the, the Russiagate case. Uh, she is very popular with, with the MS, some of the MSNBC crowd. And, and, and to be clear, I mean, she should not be in prison. She, I don't think people who give information to the media uh, should be charged under the Espionage Act. You know, I've, I've done advocacy, you know, public advocacy on her behalf as of other whistleblowers. There's also Terry Albury, who is in prison, the FBI whistleblower, indicted, under charged under the Espionage Act, everyone wants to forget about. Uh, he was the only, I believe, black um, office agent at his field office, and he was very disgusted with FBI racism, and he gave documents, alleged, or I guess he confessed, he gave documents to The Intercept. He's in prison right now. No one ever wants to talk about him. I don't, I don't really know why. I'm always happy to talk about Terry Albury. And then in April... The trial of Daniel Hale will finally begin, which has been delayed because of COVID. Daniel Hale, the drone whistleblower, uh, indicted under the Espionage Act by Trump's DOJ, although following the pattern of the Obama DOJ in doing so. So there's there's a lot of these cases. And I guess the biggest question will be, I mean, it's possible that Biden could not drop or pardon any of these but will the Biden DOJ pursue new Espionage Act prosecutions is, I think, the biggest open question. Because that was very, very rare 10, 10 years ago until Obama normalized it, right? Like, you know, one of the only people and I believe the first person actually convicted under the Espionage Act for giving information to the media was pardoned by Bill Clinton at Daniel Patrick Moynihan's request on the basis that this is a bizarre thing. We don't, we don't, these charges, you know, aren't usually brought. Uh, and thanks to the Obama DOJ and obviously 
to push people laid some groundwork for this, but I think the ultimate shame rise with Obama and Holder, um, right? This is now the go-to thing to do. If someone gives information to the media about U.S. war crimes, you charge them with espionage. Yeah, I, I do think that there is, um, and I think this is a theme heading into the Biden administration that is somewhat promising, is that you uh, have the sort of activist infrastructure to push back against some of this that was didn't really exist under Obama when this started happening. People were sort of just reacting like this is such a unprecedented move by the Obama administration to start using the Espionage Act against whistleblowers and journalist sources that now that you've sort of like moved on from that, people have caught on to this idea, have organized around it, this idea. Groups can send letters and get it published in the Times and stuff like that to where there is a lot more pressure on Biden when it comes to these prosecutions than there ever was on Obama at the time. So I'm going to agree in part and disagree in part. I do Go not for think, it, Chip. Go ahead. I do not think the issue with Obama was that it was a new issue and people were shocked by it. There were people on the left who actively ran interference on behalf of the Obama administration. And just in terms of members of like the left-leading general public, no one was willing to hear any criticisms of Obama. I did anti-war organizing under Bush. When Obama came in, it was an extremely hostile environment. I remember I brought, you know, Jeremy Scale to speak at my college and I was just talking to him. And he mentioned how when he would criticize Obama, like people would get up and walk out of his talks, right? Like, like- I've I mean, heard Obama, enough. I mean, people forget like a lot of the left, so-called left, um, actually like actively galvanized for Obama when he was a primary candidate. Like, it's not like a situation where you have a Biden who defeated the candidate of the left Bernie Sanders. Like, for some people on the left, you know, Obama was was not for me. I voted for or because yeah, I didn't know. file. I didn't file my uh, yep, paperwork. Chip, we know you you <laughs> caught on. You were smart I, enough. You I weren't fooled. Kisidich. I supported Kasich, and I ended up voting for Nader um, for these reasons. Um, and and just like when you would try to have like a rational conversation about what Obama was actually proposing, you know, increased drone strikes in Pakistan, that was part of his primary campaign, increased troops in Afghanistan, that was part of his primary campaign. He flip-flopped on telecom immunity for the telecoms who collaborated with the NSA after he got nomination. But like, like trying to talk to his supporters about this was like almost physically dangerous almost. It was like, it was just like very frightening. Yeah. Well, I think, I think yeah, well, I think you, you're kind of making my point that the environment is a little different now. No, yes, it is different. I said agree in part, disagree in part. Uh, what part I did you disagree with? I agree with your conclusion. I disagree with your reasoning. Gotcha. I do not think the environment is different because these aren't new issues. I think the environment is different because we don't have the same sort of, you know, collaborationist policy on large parts of the left towards Biden we did with Obama. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I agree with that. Um, is there anything else we uh, need to bring up? Any any other points you uh, didn't no, get to, no. Chip? No, I think, I think I think I've made my points. And if not, I'll be back next week. You will be back next week. Okay, um, twice off the next week if I didn't make them this week. Any good snacks? You've been snacking on anything good? Um, no, I haven't had any good snacks. Like, I mean, I made some popcorn the other night. Um, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't have any um, good snacks mm. to talk about. Oh, that that reminds me. I have a good snack, which is also popcorn. Um, <clears throat> I made stovetop popcorn, taking the kernels, uh, while well, heating a bit of oil, taking the kernels, and uh, throwing it into a uh, a pot, covering it, and watching it pop on the stove. And uh, if you want to control the amount of sodium and butter that is in your popcorn, that is a very good way. We still dumped Old Bay on it, so it was very unhealthy, and uh, it was delicious. Is Old Bay unhealthy? popcorn, try it. I have a popcorn maker. I make my, I don't do microwave popcorn. I have, I have a popcorn maker. I have mm. and stuff, so same concept. So yes, yeah. I, I endorse your, your proposal. Mm. I second it, Sam. I second it under Robert's Rules of Order. <laughs> I've been uh I've been snacking and I know we don't like to plug brands on the show. Um it rhymes with schmentamins. Uh I've been I've been snacking on some schmentamins, uh, little crumb cakes. They're delicious. Mm. Oh. Very tasty. I think my grandparents used to get those when I was a child. Yeah. Classic brand. Chip. You're on Twitter. Yeah. Chip Gibbons 89. People can uh I'm unfortunately on Twitter, yes. People can Catch those tweets, catch those posts, and uh, catch Chip talking to us every week here on District Sentinel Radio for Chip Chat. Thanks so much. Thank you.